This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, July 17th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. Roger Stone, a longtime advisor to then-candidate Donald Trump, had his prison sentence for campaign-adjacent crimes commuted by President Trump. Just how broad is the presidential pardon power? Cato's Gene Healy discusses the presidential pardon, Roger Stone, and the remote but real possibility that this president will find a way to pardon himself on the way out of office. Although I I think I have some technical quibbles with the documentary, Get Me Roger Stone. I thought it was very entertaining and probably fundamentally pretty fair to the guy. Um, Mitt Romney has called this commutation uh, unprecedented, historic corruption and well i would i'd go with corruption uh you know it definitely has an odor to it uh particularly since uh, uh there is at least a suggestion uh you know hints of it by the president himself the you know who praised uh, roger stone on twitter for not flipping and ratting and uh um you know there is a question as to whether uh stone's testimony would have contradicted some of what uh, Trump gave to the special counsel investigation in written answers uh, as to what he knew about uh, WikiLeaks and the uh, Stone's attempts to be a go-between with with, Wiki, with WikiLeaks uh, during the 2016 campaign. So there's definitely a, an element of, uh, of, of self-dealing here. Uh, but Unprecedented, I think, is goes a little far. I don't even think it's unprecedented in recent history. There have been a lot of grotesque and corrupt pardons. Uh, Bill Clinton pardoned Whitewater figure Susan McDougal, who'd gone to jail for contempt of court after refusing to testify against Bill Clinton. Uh, he also, on the last day of his presidency, I believe, pardoned uh, this guy, Mark Rich, who was a federal fugitive who's uh, probably not coincidentally, who had arranged through his wife uh, for massive, I think, half a million dollar donation to the Clinton Library Fund. So uh, this certainly uh, is not the first example of a, even in recent history, of a president using clemency powers in a way that stinks to high heaven. Uh, so. Pardons, and and correct me if I'm wrong, pardons are a part of the criminal justice system. That is, if all of the other checks on the ability of the government to uh, indiscriminately, or in some cases discriminately in the wrong way, put people in jail, if all of those fail, there's this. That's, That's how I've long understood the pardon to work. Am I wrong? Well, sure. I mean, one of the basic ideas behind it. Uh, Hamilton talks about this in, uh, uh, you know, every, everybody's favorite framer now, uh, not mine, but uh, the newly popular, popular Alexander Hamilton, he talks about this in Federalist 74 about the pardon power. And it's there for reasons of uh, what he calls humanity and good policy. It's supposed to be in a sense, the safety valve that can mitigate the harshness of the federal criminal justice system. Uh, it can also be used in, in times to, to bring social peace in times of civil unrest with a well-timed offer of pardon, uh, which is something quite like what uh, 
George Washington did uh, during the, the Whiskey Rebellion. Uh, Hamilton calls it a, the power to pardon uh, a benign prerogative, and he says it ought to be unfettered and lodged in a single man of prudence and good sense, that is, the president. So this is another area maybe where things haven't exactly worked out according to plan. Prudence and good sense, yeah. Um, the founders knew that this pardon power could be abused and quite possibly would be abused. Yeah, they, they this idea they, that this sweeping power you know, they, they they were well aware that a, that a power this sweeping could be used for self-dealing. That it could be used in uh, self-interested cases, and uh, they explicitly discussed it. It wasn't news to them. Um, there's an exchange between uh, George Mason and James Madison about this very topic at the Virginia Ratifying Convention, uh, where uh, Mason says that, well, what if the president pardons crimes that he himself advised to be committed. And Madison says, well, if he's connected in any suspicious manner with any person in that way, uh, he can be impeached and removed. Uh, so the uh, the remedy for, for this abuse of this broad power was uh, you impeach the president and remove him from office. Uh, you know, two, two plus centuries later, that has turned out to not be a, an entirely practical solution. You talked about uh, so quelling unrest. Um, is the pardon of Richard Nixon part of that? Could that could that be construed there, or or could that be construed as corrupt? You know, that's one you could. Uh, people have have said uh, have been on each side of that uh, case. Uh, Gerald Ford certainly justified it as this was a way to put our quote unquote long national nightmare behind us. Um, uh, but it was a, uh, you know, pretty unpopular at the time, uh, and there were uh, suspicions. I don't think ever proven that there was a, uh, you know, some sort of corrupt bargain uh, before uh, before the pardon was issued. Uh, you know, Ford actually voluntarily testified before the House of Representatives about the reasons behind that pardon, and uh, you know, he paid a price for that that pardon. Uh, it, it's probably more than anything what uh, led to his defeat in uh, 1976 against Jimmy Carter. Uh, yeah, you could see that uh, uh, either way. Uh, another example would be uh, Jimmy Carter himself uh, issued a blanket pardon for uh, amnesty for uh, uh, draft evaders. Uh, he justified that as a way of putting uh, the uh, social... Uh, upheaval over Vietnam uh, in the rearview mirror. Uh, so, you know, it, it has been, the pardon power has been controversial historically, uh, but you definitely have seen a trend towards more self-interested uses of the pardon power. And uh, in recent administrations, uh, fewer uses of the pardon power for really anything else. All right. With respect to Donald Trump, then, uh, he has used the pardon power pretty sparingly, but for pretty high profile people, both high profile in the sense that they are not well liked by uh, the broad public, uh, such as Joe Arpaio, uh -huh. uh, and people who I think everyone agrees should not have been in prison, um, Matthew Charles and Alice Johnson. 
Right. Uh, there's a very interesting analysis of Trump's pardon record uh, over on the, the website lawfare.com um, by Jack Goldsmith, the Harvard Law Professor, and Lawfare's Matthew Gluck. And they look at each of Trump has so far issued a total of 36 pardons slash commutations um, in, uh, in you know his three plus years in office, uh, and they analyze them according to a, a a number of different criteria. Two of which uh, are uh, you know did he hear about this case from television or a television host, and uh, uh, did a celebrity tell him about it? Uh, these are probably not criteria that would be used in uh, the analysis of past uh, president's pardon records. On the other hand, uh, you mentioned uh, Alice Johnson, uh, who's a, a 63-year-old woman who is serving uh, life for a nonviolent drug offense. That was a case that was brought to Trump's attention by uh, Kim Kardashian. Uh, and it's actually one of the uh, few pardons that he's issued that I think uh, you know really uh, fits within the original idea of uh, release, relieving some of the harshness of the criminal justice system. So I don't know, maybe uh, maybe President Trump to t- should talk to celebrities more often about who to pardon. Yeah, I mean, she's gotten more pr- people out of prison than I have. Um, with respect to future pardons that we expect, either if in the case of defeat in November or uh, you know a, a second term where at the end we always see these sort of midnight pardons of uh, presidents don't seem to want to use political capital to uh, make use of the pardon power until their term is effectively over. Uh, the people, the, the names that are that are floating out there are uh, Paul Manafort, uh, people who were convicted of things that related somewhat to the Trump campaign itself. And of course, Trump himself has asserted the power to uh, pardon yeah, himself. Yeah. Donald J. Trump is another name that's floating around out there. He's, he's tweeted out that he has the absolute right to pardon himself. Uh, yeah, that could be interesting. Uh, so in recent years, uh, these self-dealing pardons, controversial pardons, like the Mark Rich pardon by, by Clinton, uh, like uh, George H.W. Bush's uh, last-minute pardon of uh, six, I think, uh, Iran-Contra defendants. They, they've been right at the end of a president's last term, uh, lame duck, or he's term-limited out, as in the case of Clinton. Um, Donald Trump is uh, is not afraid to issue controversial part. You know, his first pardon, I believe, was Joe Arpaio. Uh, he is... Uh, not really constrained by this sense of uh, uh, embarrassment uh, about uh, self-interested or controversial pardons. And so that's one. There are a lot of people, people tend to want to, uh, there's a lot of hyperbole. Donald Trump's a hyperbolic character himself, and he tends to provoke hyperbole among uh, his opponents. So you hear a lot of Worse than Nixon. Even Nixon wouldn't do this. Uh, well, there, the one area that I think will be interesting to watch is if he loses uh, re-election and on the way out the door, he tries something that even Nixon, though he considered it, uh, in the end decided was too crazy, which is to attempt to pardon himself. 
that's something that in the final days of uh, b- before he he resigned in August 1974, uh, that Nixon had thought seriously about issuing himself a pardon. Uh, no president uh, before or since has ever tried this. Uh, you know, there's there's a not insignificant chance that Donald Trump will be the first president to make a go of it. Gene Healy is a vice president at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.